loud, uh, just uh, inwardly, but if I were to ask you the question, who is your favorite Bible character, what would you say in response to that question? It might be interesting afterwards, over lunch, just to hear uh, what your response is. Who is your favorite Bible character? Well, my favorite Bible character is Simon Peter, and uh, I love him. And one of the reasons I love him is because the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, sets Simon Peter before us, warts and all. We see him in great moments when he declares, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we see him also a few moments later being rebuked by the Savior, get behind me, Satan. The ups and downs of his spiritual life are clearly set before us. We can easily identify with him. And so today, both morning and evening, I would like us to think together about Simon Peter, to consider this morning his fall, and to consider this evening his restoration, his fall and his restoration. Now that's why you need to come back tonight, because there's only half the story this morning, and it's quite dark. And you might go home and say, that Irish preacher, he's a very dark fellow. So you need to come back this evening for the, for the second part. But we're going to turn now in God's word, please, to Matthew chapter 26. We have two readings from this chapter. We'll read just a few verses now and then a fuller section in a moment. Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, from verse 30. Matthew chapter 26 and at verse 30, let us hear the word of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you. Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. you chapter 26, and we read through to the end of the chapter. Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders had gathered. And Peter was following him at a distance, and going inside, he sat with the guards to see the end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last two came forward and said, This man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer to make? 
What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so. But I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his robes and said, He has uttered blasphemy. What further witnesses do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spit in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Full to have uh, Matthew chapter 26 open before you this morning, please. Uh, we will be looking at different portions in Scripture, uh, but it would be useful to have Matthew 26 uh, just open uh, for reference uh, today. Now, I seem to have been asking a lot of questions this morning because I've got another question for you just now. And uh, this is my question. Can a Christian... Can someone who is truly born again of the Spirit of God, saved by the grace of God, can a Christian lose his or her salvation? Can a Christian fall from grace? Can a Christian one day be saved, the next day be lost, the next day be saved? Now, the Bible is very clear that if a real work of God's Holy Spirit has been done in our hearts, uh, and if we have come truly to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then we cannot and will not be lost. You, you know this. Jesus himself tells us this, that those who are genuinely born again of the Spirit of God and those who truly have a living faith in the Savior are safe and secure in Christ for all eternity. John chapter 10, the words of Jesus at verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. Now, isn't that reassuring? That if we're in Christ, 
No one can snatch us out of the Father's house, hand. That the Savior has given us eternal life and we will never perish. Think also of those words spoken by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1 and at verse 6 where he speaks in this way, having begun a good work in us, the Lord God, he will bring it to completion. Or think of that wonderful golden chain that we find in the book of Romans. You know this section? Verse 29 of Romans 8. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. There's our glorification, our entrance into heaven, being spoken about here in a sure and certain way, as if it had already taken place. So certain is it that if we are justified in the sight of God, have a living faith in Jesus Christ, then one day, ultimately, by God's grace, we will enter into the glory of heaven. A true believer, one who truly has faith in Jesus Christ and is trusting in him for salvation, cannot and will not be lost. But, but, a true Christian can mess up very badly. A true Christian can let the Lord down, big style. A true Christian can fail the Savior in a significant and terrible way. A Christian, a believer in Christ, is capable of falling into gross sin. Or you say, no, I don't know about that now. Well, what about that song we've just been singing? Who wrote that song? Psalm 51. David. And why did he write it? Because he had committed adultery and arranged murder. He had been confronted by his sin and he's crying to the Lord. Not that he will be saved again. Because he's careful in what he says. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. He's a believer who's fallen into gross sin. And this can happen. And Simon Peter, who we're thinking about this morning, we're thinking about that time in his life when he really messed up, when he really let the Savior down, when he failed his Lord, whom he loved so well. I think you'll know this incident inside out. We have it here in Matthew 26. Our Savior is on trial. He's in the courtyard of Caiaphas, the uh, high priest's house. And Simon Peter is there. He's standing by a fire. It's late at night or in the early hours of the Friday morning. And he's approached in verse 69. See it there in Matthew 26. He's sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl comes up to him and says, you also were with Jesus, the Galilean. And what does he say to her? He denied it. I don't know what you're talking about. And then what happens? Another servant girl sees him in verse 71, and she says, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Now he gets a bit stronger. He denies it with an oath. I do not know the man. 
After a little while, the bystanders come up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Accent's a funny business, isn't it? I didn't think I had an accent until I came away from home. Then you realize. And his accent's a giveaway. Oh, he's, he's one of the followers of Jesus, a Galilean. And then he began to invoke a curse and to swear, I do not know the man. I do not know the man. Now, Jesus himself had foretold that this was going to happen a little earlier in the chapter there at verse 34. See it. I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. Not once, not twice, but three times when challenged by different people. Are you one of Jesus' people? Are you one of the followers of this man who's on trial? He says, no, no, no. Now, how can someone like Simon Peter, who loved Jesus Christ, had faith in him, delighted to serve him, was one of his closest companions and friends? Remember? Peter, James, and John were in that inner circle of disciples. John was very close to the Savior, but Peter was in there too with James, very close. How come that someone so devoted so involved, so close, can mess up so terribly badly. Why do those who are believers in Jesus Christ, who have faith in the Son of God, fall into gross and terrible sin? Let me suggest to you this morning, there are five reasons as to why Peter fell into sin. The first is this, he stopped praying. He stopped praying. On that Thursday evening before Jesus is arrested, he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane. We read of it there in verse 36 and following in this chapter. And when he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, our Savior leaves eight of the disciples, because Judas has now gone from them. He leaves eight of the disciples somewhere near the gate of the garden. And then he takes Peter, James, and John, and they go a little further into the garden. And uh, Jesus tells them that they should watch and pray. Verse 41, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. But you know what happens when the Savior comes back to Peter, James, and John? He doesn't find them praying. He finds them sleeping. It's very basic. You might say to me this morning, do you mean to say I've come all the way here to hear that I just need to keep praying? Well, yes. It's crucial, it's vital, it's essential. And, and Peter and the others here, they, they give up on prayer, even though the Savior himself has warned them that they must pray and they need to pray. He, he fails to pray at a crucial moment. It is vital that we maintain a living fellowship and communion and relationship with the Lord each day. For if we don't, then we're going to slip spiritually and could fall in the same way as Peter fell. Glenn Owen, in his excellent book on Simon Peter, entitled From Simon to Peter, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. I hope you don't have it, for you'll be surprised at the degree to which Dr. Owen depended on me um, in the writing of that book. 
He says this, There is no guarantee that yesterday's recipients of divine revelation will not today be under carnal or satanic influence unless and until he learns to keep his mind and his spirit tuned exclusively to God's Word and God's Spirit. This is a discipline that needs regular practice. We are never safe unless we are freshly tuned to the Word and the Spirit of God. Freshly tuned to the Word and the Spirit of God. Remember many years ago when I was studying in Edinburgh, I stayed in a small student residence. It was an excellent place. There was just 16 of us um, there. It was uh, a good uh, accommodation. And one day I was going up the stairs and I met a guy coming down. His name was John. I said to him, John, what are you at today? He said, well, it's coming up to exams. And for the next fortnight, I'm going to be really busy with my exams. I've got exams nearly every day. I'm going to be flat out studying. So what I've decided to do is today just catch up on all my quiet times for the next two weeks. And then I can give myself entirely to study. Now, you know, on one level I can see what he was doing, as you can. And uh, quiet time, you're familiar with that? The personal devotional time when we come aside each day to read God's Word and to pray. And he said, look, I'm going to do them all today, and then I'll have everything done for the next fortnight. But it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Freshly tuned to the Word of God. Coming to God each day in prayer. Don't stop praying. Why did Peter fall? Well, there's prayer and there's failure to pray. But he trusted, secondly, in his own strength and ability. Now, we don't have any pictures of Peter. Can't send you a WhatsApp picture of what Simon Peter looked like. But you have an image of him in your mind, haven't you? You have an image of him. In our children's work in church, sometimes we sing a song with, the, with children which talks about Simon Peter. And uh, I don't know all the lines of it, uh, but the first line goes something like this. Big man standing by the riverside. And that's the picture you have in your mind of a strong man, uh, an able guy who's physically capable. I want to suggest to you this morning that Peter was depending too much on himself and not enough on the Lord. He was depending upon who he was in terms of his natural abilities and physical strength rather than depending on the Lord's. Let me prove that to you. In verse 51, in this chapter of Matthew 26, when they come to arrest Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, we're told that one of those who were with Jesus and stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now, in the parallel account in John's Gospel, we know that this was Simon Peter, and he cut off the ear of Malchus, the high priest's servant. Now, that's just Peter, isn't it? Everyone else is cowering and wondering, what are we going to do here? But Peter's a man of action. He's going to get the sword out and cut the ear off. No hanging about, just sort of watching what's going on. He's, he's got to do something.
He's looking over at Thomas. Poor nervous Thomas. Look at him, would you? All jittery. Or he's looking over at Matthew. Nice job he had. Worked for the government. Nothing wrong for working for the government, by the way. Just nice job, you know. Sat in a little office, collected money when I was out in the high seas in raging storms. <sighs> Depending too much on its natural ability and its physical strength. In the work of God's kingdom, it is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And if we're to achieve anything and to keep close to the Lord and not fall into sin such as Peter did, then we have got to cultivate a dependence, a daily dependence on God. I knew a woman one time, and she was secretary in a missionary society, and uh, she worked for two different directors, not at the same time. You know, one was for a while, and then he retired, and then someone else came along. And uh, she worked in this uh, church organization, missionary organization, uh, she was the secretary there, and uh, someone asked her, what was it like to work for these two men? And she said, well, she was a nice lady, so she was very tactful, and she said, oh, they were very nice guys, and they were nice to work with, and they were very understanding. She had all that preliminary that we always have. And then, then she came to the real deal, and uh, she said, well, you know, one of them was administratively amazing, administratively amazing. He had books and notebooks and details and files. The other was okay in terms of administration, but often you would open the door of his office and find him on his knees in prayer. Independence on God. And Peter had to learn this. He had to learn this. He stopped praying. He was trusting in his own natural ability and physical strength too much. Thirdly, he didn't listen to the Lord. The Savior had warned him here in verses 31 to 34 that this is going to be a terrible night. A terrible night. And, and, and it's going to be a night when you are going to be severely tried. And what does he say? Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Or again in verse 35, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He's not listening. The Savior is warning him. The Savior is telling him that this is going to be a night of horrific trial for him and for the other disciples. And he's just busy saying, oh, don't worry about that. I'll be okay. He won't listen. And if we don't listen to the Lord, then we're in trouble. If we think that we can manage without listening to the Lord, we're in trouble. Can I demonstrate that? Where does the Lord speak to us today? How does God reveal himself to us and speak to us in 2022? In his word. In his word. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, 
For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. The word of God. The word of our Savior. The Lord speaking to us. Here's a young man. He starts a, a new job. He's working in computers. Nothing wrong with that. He's working in computers, and a, he's a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has faith in the Son of God. You know him well. You're chatting to him. You're asking how he's getting on in his new job. He says, it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. But you notice that every so often he keeps talking about a, a girl called Cynthia uh, that he's working with. You know, she's very good at computers, and, and uh, she can understand Microsoft better than him, and all that sort of thing, and he's continually talking about her. And, and then you begin to realize that, you know, his heart's pounding and he's, he's not just interested in Cynthia because she's a whiz kid at computers, but he, he likes her. He likes her. You also discover in conversation with him that, uh, yes, he's, he's begun to, I don't know what expression you use, date or court or... Anyway, he's taking her out to McDonald's. So you know it's getting serious. So you ask him the question, is she a Christian? And you take him to this text, because this is where the Lord speaks to us. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And he begins to squirm a little, you know, well, she's not quite a Christian the way we are Christians. What other way is there? She quite likes our church. Very good. Her granny has faith. Excellent. But that doesn't answer the question. Is she a Christian? And you know what happens? Two things. People will say, well, yes, I, I see that verse you're pointing me to. And yes, it's the word of the Lord. But, you know, it doesn't really apply to me. It applies to other people. I can see other people who need to listen to that verse. Or else, and this is one that often happens, folk will pluck out an example of someone who was a, a Christian, who ended up marrying someone who wasn't a Christian, but God in his grace and goodness overruled in the sinful folly and brought good out of it. And then they go, there you go. See, work for them, it'll work for me. Just because the Lord has been pleased to do that in one or two situations in his grace to overrule in that way doesn't mean it's right listen to the lord listen to the lord peter wouldn't listen i don't need to listen to you i can manage i can handle this well that verse in hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together well i'm preaching to the converted here because we are together <laughs> but so many will say, well, look, you know, we can manage okay. We don't need the fellowship. We don't need the fellowship. But they're not listening to what the Lord is saying. Peter fell into gross sin. He failed the Savior at a moment when the Savior was under intense pressure on trial. He stopped praying. He trusted in his natural ability and physical strength. He didn't listen to the Lord. And fourthly this, he was careless about the people he fell in with. 
Now, we are to be salt and light in the world. You know that, and I know that. Jesus told us that that's how we were to live. We're to be salt and light in the world. That means we're to engage with people. Sometimes you'll talk to Christians. You say, how about your neighbors? You say, oh, I don't do anything with the neighbors. I keep away from them. <laughs> and they present that as being something good, you know, virtuous. Well, I don't deal with the neighbors. That's, that's not good. Uh, we are to engage with people. We are... We, we all have nightmare neighbors, but we are to engage with people. You know, that's, that's what we're to do. But we have to be careful that the company that we're engaging with isn't going to pull us down and prevent us from being faithful in our witness to Jesus Christ and that we will compromise our Christian position. And here is Peter, he's standing at a fire, and who's around that fire? Well, the people around that fire weren't sympathetic to the Savior. The people around that fire, they weren't those who were followers of Christ. And Peter found himself in a situation where he's exhausted, where he's alone, where it's late at night, and where those who are with him there around the fire aren't supportive of the Savior or committed to Christ. And he found that he couldn't stand when the pressure was on. We have to be careful. Can I suggest to you, I'm sure it's probably the same in your country as in mine, but can I suggest to you that this applies particularly in the context of sport and of sporting societies. Now, I'm all for sport. Uh, sports that you're probably not all that enthusiastic about, like rugby union and cricket, but... But you'll have your sports, nothing wrong with sport in and of itself. It is, in a sense, a gift from God. But often, often there are contexts there uh, when we get involved in sport that can drag us down. That, uh, when we go on tours, and, uh, we take time out and we go away with the team to go here and there and, and other places and stuff goes on that, that, that isn't helpful to us in our, our Christian lives. It's an area we have to watch. Will I be able to handle this? Will I be able to stand when the team is on tour? Will I be able to, to, to manage or will I compromise my Christian witness because the crowd around me is pulling me down? Simon Peter fell. And the final reason I suggest to you that he fell into sin is that he forgot about the enemy. And the Savior had very, very specifically warned him about the attack of Satan. Let me read it to you, if I may. In Luke chapter 22 and at verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. Satan is going to sift you like wheat. Satan is going to attack you, Simon Peter. Satan is going to come against you. He forgot about the enemy. Now you might say to me this morning, well, you know, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm just a humble Christian. I live nearby. I just got in my car this morning and came to church here. It's what I do. 
And this whole idea of Satan being against me and attacking me, that's a wee bit, wow, far-fetched. Not for me, but it is. It is. Evil one doesn't want you to be here today. He certainly doesn't want you to be engaging in the worship of God. He hates us. He's our enemy. And we mustn't forget. We mustn't forget that he's against us daily, seeking to destroy our faith. And he loves nothing better than a child of God to really mess up and to get it badly wrong. See, the world loves that, don't they? The media are all over it immediately. They're all over it. Gospel preacher commits adultery. What a great headline. And Satan is rejoicing. So here he is, Simon Peter. He lets Jesus down. He falls into sin. Stop praying. Trusted too much in himself. Didn't listen to the Lord was careless about the company he fell in with and forgot about the enemy. Now that's pretty dark, isn't it? I told you it was going to be dark. That's pretty dark. But brother or sister in the Lord, let me say to you this morning that if this is you, if this is you, don't despair. Please don't despair. Because if we're truly born again of the Spirit of God, saved by the grace of God, united to Christ by faith, looking to Him alone for salvation, we may mess up and we may mess up very badly. But our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a loving, caring, compassionate, forgiving, gracious Savior. He doesn't write us off. That's what this evening's about. He doesn't write us off. But when he sees our brokenness and when he observes our tears and when he sees a heart that is genuinely troubled by sin and failure, he forgives, he restores, and he uses us again in the service of his kingdom. That's our saviour. If you're a Christian this morning, our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not a hard master, but a loving master. We see Peter here broken, weeping bitterly. The Savior has looked at him. He's remembered his words. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He knows that he's messed up badly. But it's not the end of the story. For if you look to Jesus and if you trust in him, and if he's your savior this morning, and I trust that he is, I trust that he is, that you've looked to him in faith, you will find him to be ever gracious, ever loving, ever kind, ever willing to forgive, and ever ready to use you again in his church. Peter didn't lose his salvation, but his fellowship with Christ and his communion with the Lord was seriously marred and affected. But it's not the end of the story. For although we fail, our Savior never fails us. If this is you this morning, brother or sister, do not despair. Come to the Savior recognizing your failure, acknowledging your sin, 
confessing your wrongdoing, and you will experience, as Peter did, his love, his grace, and his kindness. Let us pray.